0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great start to the weekend. Today's podcast is a unique one. There is some interesting stuff going on in Arizona, specifically Yavapai County. And for those who are unfamiliar, that's in the northern part of Arizona. And in that area, there are tons of off grid properties. Well, it seems that the government officials, especially at the county level, with code enforcement and the division uh, planners, have decided to wage war on anybody who lives off-grid and find them excessively, not work with them for permits to be able to build structures on their property, threaten them, harass them, illegally trespass on their property on these different ranches looking for any sort of violation in which they can bring the hammer down on these individuals. And they've actually evicted some people from their off-grid properties that they've spent years building. And we feel, Joshua, uh, the the individual who is the episode featured in this podcast, feels, and I feel, that there is an attack on off-grid living by certain government entities because people are... I don't know if they feel threatened by off-grid levers uh, or by people who live off-grid, but they definitely feel as though they need to have a pulse on those individuals. And, and people who live off-grid, they just want to live a simple life and live free, and and not have a bunch of a um, bunch of outside influences impacting their daily lives. And that's where they get big tracts of land. Well, unfortunately, that whole livelihood and that mindset in Northern Arizona is being threatened. And so Joshua, who I speak with today. He is a landowner in that area. He has extensive experience working with and battling the local code enforcement. And recently, all of the landowners just got together and developed what's called Arizona Rural Landowners Association, and this is an association of uh, individuals who have been living off-grid all throughout Arizona who have been harassed by county officials through code enforcement and other means. Uh, Basically extortion is what it is, and it's a violation of the property rights that those individuals have. And so they're banding together to fight this in court and uh, also fight it at town hall meetings. And whatever it may be. And so this episode is bringing this issue to light, and this is going to be a multi part series. Um, I'm actually planning to leave Crested Butte next week, and I'll be making my way towards Arizona, probably plan to be in Arizona by November 1st. And I plan to hook up with Joshua and some other landowners again uh, when I'm out there. And we're going to do a follow up uh, update episode on this. And this will probably be going on for a number of, of episodes. So anyway, let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Uh, Joshua, Just a little background on him. He's a fourth-generation Arizona resident. His family's lived there forever. Uh, He's a former war photographer. He was in the military and went over to uh, the Middle East after September 11th. And I believe he said he spent six years doing that. And um, after he came back, he wanted to take that love of photography and start a wedding business, which has been very successful. And uh, then he wanted to start another business, too, on his property. And that's when things got got really uh, hairy with the local county officials. So let's go ahead and dive into his story. And so here's episode number 52. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm really interested in speaking to you today about what's going on out in, in your neck of the woods in there in Arizona, because my, my friend Chad Bria, who I who I've known for, gosh, better part of two decades. He and I met at our first corporate jobs ever when we were in corporate America, and then as you know now, Chad's Off Grid in the same area that that you are, and. He told me about some crazy stuff that was going on um, in, in your region, but I, I first, before we get into that story, I, I wanted to just get into a little bit of your background and what brought you into that area, um, what you were doing prior to to um, before you moved into the place you're at now, and kind of like what your long-term goals are for being off-grid, and then let's get into the story about what's happening behind the scenes in the county.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Um, in a nutshell, a little bit more about me. So I, four generations, Arizona. Um, my family has been here for a long time. I joined the military when I was 17, left when I was 18. Um, my selective service day was actually September 11th, 2001. Um, that was when, you know, everybody kind of got the proverbial fire lit under them and, and we all felt the need to, to join and, and serve, uh, for one reason or another. So I joined, I was 17. So I left the year after. And, uh, when I was 18, as soon as I turned 18, I, I went to basic and I served, uh, just over five years in the army. Um, when I got out, I came back to Arizona uh, with a plan of working for my father's company, uh, in cabinetry. And and that was in 2007, 2008. We all know what happened then, um, the recession and, and work wasn't there. So I had always been the unit photo guy. Uh, I started my photographic passion, um, doing war photography in my deployments and I decided to turn that passion into a career. So I moved to San Diego I started a business <clears throat> excuse me in the wedding industry and uh, and i 've been doing that ever since so almost uh, twelve years now i 've been in the wedding industry, so I do wedding, photo and video, and that is the segue into what brought me back to Arizona. Um, I knew that I would you know as a freelance self employed wedding professional we don 't have employer match benefits 401ks and all that fun stuff so you have to kind of figure out your own retirement plan and mine was to open a wellness retreat and wedding venue with my wife Emily and so we were originally looking for property to do this in in California and uh, a family member member of mine back in Arizona uh, advised me of property for sale. Uh, very beautiful properties, all usable land, very good prices in northern Arizona and Yavapai County. And I had never lived in Yavapai County. I had no idea what the, the political and, and government climate was like, uh, but the property was just too good to pass up. Beautiful, 20 acres, uh, juniper forest, all oh. very, very shallow grades, just all usable property. And and we had the opportunity. We got a great deal on the property and, and we purchased it. And I guess this kind of leads into to why we're here. Um, mm-hmm. we, when we purchased the property, we knew that we would have to go through what's called a conditional use permit pro- process because this is a residentially zoned area. Now, let me set the tone by saying these are all rural, very rural ranch properties we are in the middle of of nowhere our town is unincorporated um every 90 percent of the people that are up here either a on a fixed income or b self-employed and work for themselves and we're talking 10 20 40 60 120 acre parcels the smallest parcels out here are 10 acres so pretty big
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you know, uh, d- just to give people a reference, uh, if if they want to in their mind c- try to uh, c- you know visualize how large that is, three blocks is considered a city, or I'm sorry, three acres is considered a city block. So for those that are that, that aren't familiar with land, like I, when you say ten acres, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what that looks like. But before I started living off grid, I, I had no clue when I was living in the city. So right. j- just to reference people, those are large properties.
1: Right, and you you know you can't see your neighbor's property from your home, which is exactly what people want when they come up here. And we knew we were going to have to go through that conditional use permit process. We there were unpermitted structures on our property that we knew we were going to have to bring into compliance. We knew all of this. We started advertising for our business um, prior to opening and prior to obtaining that conditional use permit. Just like every other. Restaurants, uh, boutique, new shop, they they start posting advertisements and start advertising on social media prior to opening and prior to obtaining all those permits. And in in the case of weddings, we started pre-booking prior to obtaining that permit, knowing that we had unanimous support from all of our neighbors, which is what dictates the approval of a conditional use permit. There's two things, the support of your community and the board of supervisors for your county. Um, we had unanimous support from so many people in our community and we weren't, we were bringing something that was going to bring revenue to a, to a town that almost died when they moved the railroad. We're bringing tourism here. So we had all, all the faith in the world that we would get approved, which we did. We did get approved for the the conditional use permit, but they brought us in. Uh, one day I was driving to our property and there was a white, Yavapai County code enforcement truck parked in front of my ranch entrance blocking it, they would not let me enter my property. Um, I wasn't expecting anything. We weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, we have a beautiful home. Uh, there's no junk anywhere. Our, our property is beautiful and, and we can reference our, our website and Facebook page if people want to look at it. Yeah, definitely. I'll let include that in the show notes. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful property. We're not doing anything wrong. We're not you know growing a bunch of Bunch of unpermitted marijuana fields or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. we're not doing anything wrong. So I wasn't expecting anything. I got out of my vehicle and I uh, was asked if I was Joshua Keeleen. And I said yes, smiling, you know, wondering what was going on. And he served me with a notice of violation for, I guess they had found us on Facebook advertising prior to opening for our retreat. And they threatened us with uh, multiple $7,500 fines. Whoa. And five hundred dollars a day until we removed everything off of our property. Whoa. And that was just right off the bat. And but but you had that conditional use permit. We hadn't done it yet. But oh. here's the thing. Advertising for a business. Mm-hmm. Is not a violation of any code ordinance.
0: No, that not at all. Pre-marketing is ha- happens all the time in the industry that I used to be in. And I mean, if you were in the cabinet cabinet in industry, you know a little bit with your dad. I mean, you know that people pre-market those communities before they even break ground. Exactly. There's, no, there's,
1: there's not even roads or infrastructure. Before in there's there. before there's approval from the city council. Before yeah. anything, they start pre-marketing, which is what we were doing, and we were using these funds to come into compliance. To do all the crazy, to pay all the crazy fees, and to do all the ridiculous things that they expect us to do in a rural area to come into compliance, we were using that money to come into compliance. Mm-hmm. So, like, pay- the, so like the pre-bookings that you were getting, you were able to use that, or your your plan was to
0: use that, if I understand you correctly, uh, to, to pay for those ridiculous fees.
1: Exactly. We're, I mean, and just to reference the type of fees, just the application fee for a conditional use permit for us. Mm -hmm. With three non-refundable, no guarantee of approval is $3,000. What? That's it. $3,000 non-refundable application fee for a conditional use permit for our property. And that's just one of the fees. And then it's a two board hearing process. Either way, we went through all that even after they forced us to stop advertising and we obtained it. We went in there with, with a whole bunch of members of the community and we got approved at both hearings, unanimous approval. Um, but because of the fact that they forced us to stop advertising, we we're talking tens of thousands of dollars over the year that they've not let us advertise that we were out and they expect us to build, you know, ADA paths again in a rural area where it's so expensive to get any heavy machinery up here. They want paved wheelchair paths and paved handicap park or ADA parking, um, Things like that that we knew we would have to do, but we were using this money to do all of this. And then they forced us to stop advertising. So that's just our story still going on what they're doing, what they're requiring and the government overreach in this area. They are holding us to standards as far as zoning and ordinance that are applied to city life, small. I mean, we're talking quarter acre parcels, quarter acre properties. They're holding us to the same standards as far as how many buildings we can have on our properties when we are rural and agricultural out, out here. So yeah, gone, out there. That's very, very much rural <laughs> it's yeah. as rural as you can get. So,
0: so yeah, that's a, uh, that's crazy. You know, after you and I spoke the first time uh, I got online and, and started just doing some Google searches about some of the corruption going on there in the County. And I found a truckload of information I mean, articles that date back uh, from reputable newspapers like this newspaper in Sedona and there's other ones in Phoenix and different ones that are that are picking up on these stories. And it sounds very similar to what you just described. Exorbitant fees. They won't work with you on anything. They threaten you like crazy. They won't allow you access to your property. And it's just out of the blue. And uh, they're evicting people from their land and doing all this crazy thing. And it's like an assault on people who just live free. And I I, I see that in my in my neck of the woods and what I do as far as vehicle camping and, and truck camping full time. But you know, where you guys are at, I, I have the luxury of being able to move. You're you're in the same spot, they know where to come find you, and you just gotta feel somewhat like a like a sitting target, I would think.
1: Oh, <laughs> I want to speak in generalities here, but I know what's yeah. happened to us. But if you've watched my YouTube channel, you've seen I've been interviewing other families that are going through the same thing. Ours was on a grander scale because we're trying to open a business on our property. But they're not just attacking people trying to do business on their property. They're they're attacking people for uh, storage buildings on their property because they have too much storage. And we're talking, again, huge parcels here. And they're saying yeah. you have too much storage on your twenty acre parcel, forty acre parcel, you have two connexes instead of one. This is if all tinfoil hats conspiracy theories aside, if you yeah. just do do the infor- do the research and look at what at the attack across our nation on off-grid self-sustaining communities. Look at the Earthship project in Talos, New Mexico. Yep. They are attacking. And these homes are beautiful. I mean, yeah. gorgeous works of art. These homes are works of art. They're safe mm-hmm. and they are the best. They're trying to color the, the reason that they're doing this. When we've had our County town hall meetings and our meetings with the County, they're trying to color it under environmental impact and, and sit, Uh, sustainable developments and protecting the environment but the best thing that anyone can do for the environment is to live self-sustaining grow your own food capture your own water absolutely recycle these earthship homes are built out of recycled material and they take no fossil fuels no energy how how is that hurting the environment it doesn't make
0: any sense yeah, I, I think what it is is the the truth of the matter and what I've seen around here with the same thing with the attack on off-grid uh, properties and homesteads is that uh, they just they just want they want more revenue they want you to be tied in to this to the to the grid so they can charge you an enormous amount like it's crazy here I mean there's cabins that go way back to the 1860s. In Colorado. Now, if you own one of those that was built in the 1860s, and if you, you know, granted, there's no plumbing back then, and if you want to rent it out to anybody, you have to bring a plumbing line in. You have to pay for it to come in to that property so you can have plumbing in that house now. I mean, just stupid stuff like that. It's a close revenue. Yeah, and it's exactly you can't collect rainwater anymore. You have to tap into the, the the water system. You know, there's no more counties in Colorado that you can collect rain from because we sold all of our water to California. And right. it's like stuff. It's like stuff like that, which is like inhibiting people that want to live free. And if you look at your carbon footprint and my carbon footprint, we are way lower than than 99 of the people out there.
1: And it's,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's just frustrating. It feels like it's an attack on people who want to live independently and want to live self-sustaining and can do it. And the people are like, no, I don't want that. I want you to be tied into where I can put the screws to you. That's exactly me, Yeah, it seems to me that, that that's what's going on out there too. A, and I see it everywhere. I mean, you, you get online on YouTube and you look at anything, you Google off-grid homesteads, and you'll see a bunch of people's stories come up that people are getting attacked. And this is, this is stuff out in the middle of nowhere. There's a place in Colorado down by the Great Sand Dunes National Park there's nothing down there, and those people are getting hammered from the state and the, and the county level, and I, I don't understand it.
1: So, going back to this is sustainable development ethos that they're the color of sustainable development that they're hiding behind with all of this. If if you look at uh, Antelope Valley, California, this is one uh, example. Same, there's actually Reason TV did a. Did a it's on Netflix, I think. They did a full uh, special on this exact same thing eleven years ago. Exact same thing. These are people that have lived on these properties for twenty years, you know, fifteen years, twenty three years, and they they are affecting nobody, and they're living responsibly and and self reliance. And then nuisance. They called them nuisance abatement teams, which is basically code enforcement with the county. Yeah. They were coming out with police force um, to these properties and and just straight up putting scare tactics into these people and and a group of them got together and they went to the to the district supervisor for that area and they asked them the only thing that makes sense the only reason that you would be doing this is that you have development plans for this area and they said emphatically no there are no development plans and at that time there was nothing on the books. There was no way to prove that there were development plans. But 11 years later, there is now a mega development in the Antelope Valley in that area. And those people were forced out. So, yes, we can't prove that, you know, supervisor Ed Nobody has a backroom handshake deal with mega developer, you know, Joe Somebody. Yeah. We can't prove that. But just look, just do the research. Look at what's happening. They want to pave the way development services in Yavapai County wants to pave the way for developments which they make way more money off of than our large parcel privately owned self-sustaining homesteads.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, they can't monetize what we do because we don't no. need them. No. God, lady, that's so frustrating. So, so so you've been appointed if I remember if I uh, heard correctly from Chad, you, you you're actually the spokesperson now. Is that correct for this um for for your community or you're you're leading the you're kind of leading the, the 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 voice to to bring forth like a a reasonable and sensible argument to say hey we're not doing anything wrong here the county won't work with us on anything and they're trying to threaten us and take control of our land through unlawful means
1: so my my new official title, which I haven't had one of these since I was in the military, but <laughs> uh, my new official title is Media Coordinator, and it's for the Arizona Rural Landowners Association. So what we found out, uh, we have a really intelligent, strong, and rational group of people out here that have a, a, a very broad skill set. Um, And and you've met some of those people or or spoke to some of those people. And we came together and we formed the Arizona Rural Landowners Association, or ARLO, uh, which is growing very quickly, daily. And what we found out is that this isn't just happening in Juniper Woods or, you know, yeah. Our area, District 4 of Yavapai County, this is actually happening all the way over in Sedona, Camp Verde area. We just got put in contact with another group, very similar to our own, having the same issues with David Williams and, and Development Services. And now we are starting to organize, and we're talking hundreds of new members just in a matter of weeks. That's awesome. Um, that all have similar stories and all want to protect our rights as rural landowners so we we are getting organized and we're showing them them being Yavapai county and development services that we have legitimate concerns and we're trying to do this the right way i think that's that's a that's a good way to do it
0: um you know you've seen situations in the past where people will um act out irrationally and just out of frustration and that just never accomplishes anything so i think that organizing and getting everybody together and getting all those stories documented and, and saying hey this is happening across the board that's going to be very effective I, at least to raise the awareness now whether or not it can get anything done at the county or state level you know if it's if it's as corrupt as we are assuming that it is and that and that it is has been reported then um now it's going to be a tough road to hoe but but i i think that it's uh, it's appalling what's happening
1: I mean, on that note, yeah, we're trying to do this the right way. We have, but we have a lot of very, I I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn here. These are just the facts. I I, I am better off or well off financially than a lot of people that live up here. I'm lucky enough. We have two businesses. I do travel a lot for work and, and I'm still able to, to bring in an income outside of what we invested into and to retreat and our space here. And that has helped me kind of weather this battle a little bit better than most, but there are a lot of people out here that are, Backed into a proverbial corner, they don't have the money to pay these extortion fees. Is what we're calling them now. The, these fees to the county. They they they've lived here. One example is the eighty-one year old couple living in Ash Fork on a fixed income. He's disabled. They had permits. Um, they had applied and received the permits even and he just wasn't able to build and complete these projects as quickly as the County wanted. So they said his permits that he already paid for and already got approved back, you know, when they initially started this project, um, are no longer valid. And he has to go through all that. He's 81 years. They're both 81 years old. This couple, they've lived here for 23 years and now they owe $9,370 to a collection agency That was this month, this amount, 9,000 was sent to the collection agency from Yavapai County because they couldn't afford to pay these fees. So I'll back, back to your original point. Yes, we're trying to be legitimate, but the tempers are flaring. These are people that are backed in the corner and and they, they, they're affecting their lives and their livelihood and their home. You can't do that to people. You can't, no, no, you can't. Um, so
0: you know, you mentioned the, your story and then you've got the, the, you also just mentioned the story of the 81 year old couple. What other examples are of, of the corruption are going on out there that you're aware of and that you can speak about? Because uh, I, I'd, I'd love to give people examples of more examples of what's going on, on on the wide widespread scale. I mean, I know you've got the association going and all these stories that you'll be able to collect from the
1: hundreds of new members, uh, but in your immediate area though, what, what else have you seen? Um, I'm glad you asked Uh, and I'm going to apologize in advance. If my voice sounds shaky, this just talking about this is getting me fired up and and causing me to just not feel the best. And I can definitely share. These are stories not based on opinion, not based on hearsay. Um, If you look at my YouTube channel, our tiny homestead, these are interviews that I've done with these people in person and stories that they've shared with me. And we have proof, we have photos. So I'd like to share a couple of those. Um, One, Uh, amazing couple that live just south of us, still in our district in Yavapai County. They've lived there for over 10 years. Um, I think I want to say 16 years, but don't quote me on that. It's over 10 years, and they run a community uh, swap meet, yard sale, kind of like an estate sale, but they deal in antiques and furniture and, and nice things. It's not a bunch of trash just laid out on tables they they've been doing this for years for the community and they've helped people by offering furniture and beds and things like that to people that can't afford to pay full price and their home and their property and their setup is absolutely gorgeous and what they've done is they've i'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast right now and you know of uh repurposing shipping containers Mm -hmm. and if you look up shipping container homes you see these beautiful i mean beautiful homes made out of where are we going to put these old shipping containers? Like we're just going to fill our oceans with them, which is what (laughs) they've been doing. They've been dumping them in international waters, just letting them (laughs) sink through the bottom of our oceans. Or Uh. we can start putting them to use and repurpose them and turn them into homes or storage units or something that, that is useful that they can be used for. So this, this couple uh, took storage containers, painted them very nicely to match their home. They're not an eyesore and they use them to store the things that they sell in this community uh, weekends sell. And they've been doing this for years and years. And this is an example of the corruption across different departments and 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 services in Arizona. ADOT had an issue with their yard sale sign they had put in front of their property on a private easement, mind you, on a private oh God. easement. God, they're mid So ADOT got into a confrontation in front of their home, yelling at them about their signs, and then went to Yavapai County Development Services and reported them for their shipping containers. And so now these people and we're talking they had invested thousands and thousands of dollars into making this look nice and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And their interview is on the YouTube channel. Um they are now threatening them with $2,500 initial fine and $500 a day until they remove all the shipping containers, but one off of their home. And again, they've been there for over 10 years. So they aren't honoring a grandfather clause because the, the initial clause that said they could no longer have shipping containers was voted in um, just, just under that 10-year mark. They've had them longer than when they changed the law. Uh-huh. And David Williams called her when they contacted their congressman because they felt they were being bullied. This is before they contacted me and Arizona rural landowners association. She contacted Congressman Gosar asking him for help because of what had happened because the code enforcement officer had come to their property, trespassed on private property to get access, to take photos of their property without permission, took photos of her, the landowner in these photos without permission from oh. private property from private these are the things that are actually happening and we have proof of they're oh. they're trespassing they're violating our, our civil liberties they're violating our privacy mm. and he's yelling at her again yelling at this woman in front of her home telling her she better get her stuff straight and remove the shipping containers and then she contacted congressman Gosar and who in turn contacted supervisor brown who in turn contacted David Williams, the Director of Development Services, who, then, going, yeah. who then called her at 7.31 a.m. in the morning, yelling and screaming at her because she contacted her congressman and threatening her with jail time if she didn't come into compliance. This oh, is happening she- right now. That's just one story, the threats, the coercion. there, And what happened with us and what's happened to other people is when we come in for our violation hearing, They're threatening us with these huge fines, these ridiculous fines, and in a recorded hearing, and then afterwards they take us into a back room that's not recorded, and they say, we will give you six months to come into compliance. We won't fine you right now if you sign this affidavit stating that you acknowledge that you're in violation, which is coercion. It's a false choice, and that's coercion, and it's happening to many people up here. And, and, and we've reached out to the ACLU. We've reached out to the Institute for Justice. We have yet to hear back from them. Um, but hmm. these, these are blatant violations of multiple civil liberties and ineliable yeah. rights. It's, it's it's crazy. It sounds like a conspiracy theory, but we have proof of all these actions.
0: Yeah, you know, based on what I've seen here in Colorado, there have been other things that have been similar to this. Not, not quite the extent of code enforcement coming onto your property illegally and... Trespassing to try and fish for you know any sort of what they perceive as a violation, but uh, you know I, I'd like to put those videos also in the show notes below. So i I'll, I'll get on your YouTube channel and grab those interviews that you're doing with different individuals, and I'll just list them all, and then uh, you and I can work together to make sure that we explain who's in that. Because I think the more information we can give to people out there, and the more real life stories they can digest the more they're going to realize that this is a legitimate problem for anybody choosing to live outside of the city in rural areas. They're just getting harassed like crazy because like I was saying, you know, they can't control us because we're not, we're not plugged into the grid. And so I think it's all about controlling and money. And like, it sounds with the developments story you talk about with Antelope Valley, wouldn't be surprised if the exact same thing is going on in your area. You know, it seems to me like it is. And there's and, no
1: way for us to prove it.
0: Yeah. That's a, and, and see what would be, what would be really interesting is, is if you could look at the bank accounts for anybody that's worked for the city or the county for the last twenty years and see if there's anybody doing extortion and stuff like that with all these fees. Because you got to think, like, where's that money going if they're getting it and uh, and harassing people like this? I'm surprised somebody hasn't been shot. To be honest, I mean, out here, if somebody comes on somebody's property and threatens like that, they just they just get smoked.
1: That's you know, I hate to even bring that up, but they they there was a whole week and a half period where they told people up here that had inspections scheduled for septic systems or things like that, that they couldn't come out because there were death threats because you're right. I'm not one of these people. Um, I think violence should always be a last resort and considered with great, great care. Um, But there are many people out here who have lived here for decades. And when you come in onto their property and you trespass and you threaten them and say, you're going to take money from them. This, 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 you can't do that to people. You cannot do that to people and, and expect no reactions unless you're in a communist country. I'm sorry. Uh, absolutely.
0: Oh no, I, I agree 100. Now, now, when when did this start getting ramped up? Because some of the a lot of the uh, newspaper articles that I was see that I saw online when I googled it were like they started showing up in like I think it was like 2013, 2014, and then by 2015 there were a lot. Of articles talking about it and then there's just been a floodgate since but yeah. was there for, 2016 yep okay so that's okay so this has been going on now for better part of four, four, four to five years almost correct yes Jeez. how many and, people have they been able to to effectively uh For lack of a better word, evict off their own property.
1: Well, the founder of Arizona Rural Landowners Association actually, Lend. Um, She was lucky enough to have the means to purchase another property that already had a permanent structure. But they forced her off of her land. They told her she could not live there anymore uh, because she was out of compliance, and she was scared and had no other. I mean. She's also one of the first interviews that are on the YouTube channel. And if you listen to her story and what David Williams did to her in that county building, screaming and spitting in her face and threatening her with jail time and cussing, throwing F bombs at her. This is the director of development services doing this in the county building and, and threatening her. So she left her property. She, she had to vacate her home and go to another property that already had permits her beautiful home that she had spent years and years to, you know, trying to make right. And she was trying to come into compliance. She was trying to nobody out here that I know that, that I'm sharing the stories of have unsafe homes and, And junkyards, you know what I mean? These are all beautiful properties that there's nothing wrong. They're not affecting anybody. They don't have a pig farm that's affecting the neighbors. They don't have a raw sewage dump. There's nothing like that going on. There's no reason for this.
0: That's frustrating. That's infuriating. Um, So you guys are organizing now. You're getting the the rural landowners together. And uh, is the next step to, to look at some sort of legal a lawsuit against the county or the state or i mean i don't, I don't even know how to navigate this stuff so i'm <laughs> completely i'm completely in, in the dark as to where you'd even go it sounds to me like you know if you reach out to a senator all they're going to do is push it back down to the the local person who's so difficult and and uh corrupt so you almost feel like it's a catch-22 like,
1: like what, do, what do we do here so a couple things on that um we have a very Experienced person who has fought similar fights to this uh, in regards to the Constitution and, and supporting that and and property owner rights and. Uh, first off, I would like to say that Yavapai County has multiple complaints with the Attorney General's Office, the U.S. Department of Justice, the ACLU, and the Institute for Justice. We are waiting to hear back from these different organizations. We've started reaching out to them over the last month, month and a half, and that some of them, they say right on their website when you when you send them a letter that it can take up to eight weeks for the review to happen. So we're right about that point. Hopefully, we'll start hearing back here soon. Um where I see this going as far as the navigation and, and this is a constitutional battle in regards to property owners rights and the overreach of government, because when you, back to what we said at the beginning regarding large parcel sizes, agricultural areas, when you, for no apparent reason, as a county, as a county government, without the permission or the input of the residents, change the zoning in, a, in an area like ours to the same zoning that applies in the city or yeah, in very cool. small parcel sizes that a that that needs to be fought so that's a fight that we need to, we need to change the zoning ordinances to make sense for our area i as a rancher i shouldn't have to permit every outbuilding or or a uh, horse barn that that i have on my property i shouldn't have to permit a fence, a horse fence because right now the way it stands Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to backtrack a bit right now. If you are an accountant in this area and you work from home, you're self-employed and you do books from home and you have your clients visit you and you in your home office to do their books and your neighbor doesn't like the fact that they show up at 6 PM and the headlights hit their window, that neighbor can complain and they're going to force you to get a conditional use permit right now. If you, if you drive truck and you, you run your own towing company. Now, I'm not saying you have a bunch of vehicles on your property. You just have a company-marked vehicle, your your company tow truck on your property, and your neighbor doesn't like it, or ADOT doesn't like it, or the county inspector who is proactively looking for violations, which they're not supposed to do. They're not supposed to be proactive. They're only supposed to, they actually said that in a a recorded meeting, they're only supposed to respond to complaints, but they're conveniently driving around all the time up here. So if they see that truck, they will force you to get a conditional use permit. Again, non-refundable, $3,000 application fee, two board hearings, community action outreach, just because you park your tow truck in your own driveway on your own 40 acre parcel. These are things that need to be changed. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. So we met with super, we had another county town hall last night, which will be our second one that we've attended as Arizona Rural Landowners Association, showing unity. We all showed up, we all wore the same color, just trying to show them that we are getting organized and at the first hearing or the first meeting we did this at David Williams was there and we I thought he was going to have a heart attack he was sweating he was not expecting our questions supervisor brown was there and he didn't even say a word when we were questioning david williams you could just tell he was not expecting this i mean his 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 jaw was dropped and they didn't really know what to say at that hearing they didn't have valid answers for our questions and they kind of acted like we were you know the the uh, belligerent revolutionaries. You know, at this uh, last meeting last night, mm-hmm. they took us. David Williams was not there. His assistant director was there. <laughs> Isn't that convenient? <laughs> yeah, and, and and Supervisor Brown was much more receptive, and everybody was much more friendly, and they acted, at least on face value, that they w- like they wanted to have open dialogue with the Arizona Rural Landowners Association. So Supervisor Brown has said he is willing to meet with us now. And I'm going to be doing a video, a video recap of the meeting on YouTube probably tomorrow. But he said that he is willing to start trying to work with us to change this. And he admitted that he knows that some of this stuff is, is not right. So that's, that's, good. A, that's a huge step in itself. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. I, th- I think also, too, once you hear back from the different uh, organizations that you reach out to for help, and uh, you know, after the eight-week review process, did you say the ACLU and and who who else?
1: Institute for Justice. Uh, okay. They, they they are flat out violating our rights. Just yeah. flat out, it's blatant. And they, I don't think they expected anybody to organize like this and fight them. And now, I said in the meeting last night, I'm like, you, we have now hundreds of members of the Arizona Rural Landowners Association, and every single one of them wants to fight what you're doing right now and they were just quiet for a few minutes and and that's when supervisor brown started changing his tone so good good man strengthen numbers for sure Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, the strength of the dollar seems to trump that a lot, but uh, hopefully that's not going to be the case here. So, well, why don't we do this? Um, Like I said, I want to put all this information into the show notes and I'd like to continue doing follow-up episodes to give people an update as to what's going on. Now, is there any information, is there uh, anything that you want to say as far as uh, how people can help? Um, You know, obviously, Tune into your YouTube channel is a, a big thing because you're able to get the people's story out there. But is there is there any other resources or outlets that you
1: want to direct people to? Uh, that'd be, yes, absolutely. Um, okay. The First, I'd like to start with a statement saying that the reason this has gotten to this point is because of inaction. Because we, I get it, everybody has their own life and their own struggle, and that can. There, there are times when I don't even want to turn on the news. I don't want to know what's going on in my local government. I don't care, you know, yeah. because there's so much going on in my own life. But the reason this has gotten to this point is because of that lack of attention and our responsibility as citizens of this country to, to have a say in what what goes on in it. And especially in our local county, local communities in our counties, um, we we have a strong say in what happens as long as we pay attention. So even if you aren't in Yavapai County, even if you aren't in our area, this is happening nationwide. So Arizona Rural Landowners Association is on Facebook, the acronym A-R-L-O-A. If you have, if those of you listening have any similar stories or would like to coordinate and share stories and help fight this fight, we we would love to network with you. So please contact us via that Facebook page. Again, we just started organizing. We are working on a website. Um, we're also working on our LLC co- classification and all that stuff, um, the filing. Uh, but please reach out to us on Facebook at Arizona Rural Landers, Landowners Association. Also, the YouTube channel, Our Tiny Homestead, is is the outlet that we're using to share these stories and these youtube videos Uh, please subscribe to that if you would like to stay updated and any help anyone can provide or any insight um, actionable help uh, is always appreciated so feel free to to message us on facebook join the group or subscribe to the channel and message us there
0: awesome okay well let's include all that everything will be included in the show notes below so people can just click on it and and go to those different uh, resources to to keep up to date with what's going on and, and Thanks, let's Brian. stay and let's stay in touch too. I want to I, I definitely let me know once you start hearing back from the ACLU and and the different organizations you've reached out to and if anything new comes up and you say hey you know we've got enough here to talk about a you know the next segment of of, of this story then let's get on a call again and do this and I'm going to be coming to Arizona this fall after awesome. I'm done with my work here so hopefully we'll get a chance to meet. That'd be great, Brian. I really appreciate it. Cool. Well, thanks, Joshua, for your time. And uh, let's uh, to, you know, keep fighting the good fight. And, and we're behind you here. All right. Thanks. Talk soon. Sounds good.